I don't even know where they're located. I think they're recording, like, I don't even know. Lethbridge. They're in Lethbridge. Is that a, where is that? (laughs) Mark. What province? (laughs) I want to see your birth certificate. (laughs) Lethbridge, Alberta. They're about two hours south of Calgary. (laughs) Whiskey, whiskey. The singer's getting sore. We raise the roof. Now we're lowering the floor. The band is blistered, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Whiskey Topic. I'm Mark Bylock. And I'm Jamie Johnson. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a very uh, common theme in the last couple of episodes. Uh, yeah. It's going to be uh, Canadian whiskey. Yeah. Um, Hello. Hello, Davin. Davin DeCargo. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Uh, one of our favorite, uh, one of, a, you know, as far as like people that come on the podcast, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from every time you're on, Davin. Um, you're here pitching us a book, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> My book is being released October 3rd. I guess by the time this is on the air, it'll have been out for a few weeks. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's Canadian Whiskey, the new portable expert. It's the second edition, lots of upgrades, lots of changes, and lots of new information in this book. So I appreciate being on the show. I you know, we, we are, we're not just a Canadian whiskey podcast, obviously. We talk a lot about bourbon and scotch, but um, this is the year of Canadian whiskey. People thought last year was the year of Canadian whiskey and the they year before. Wrong. No, this, this, that was just the beginning. This is, this is the year of Canadian whiskey, I feel. Uh, this year and next year is just going to keep going. Um, and you and I met, I, I looked this up, you and I met back in like 2011, 2012, I believe, somewhere around that time. Um, and uh, you've always been very enthusiastic about Canadian whiskey and told me, yeah, you know, this is going to be great. There's like no limits. There's no rules. You can do all these great things with Canadian whiskey. You can't do in Scotland. You can't do in, uh, in the U.S. And I was like, yeah, no, I, I understand. I get that. But like, where, where's, like, where's the whiskey that whiskey enthusiasts are going to go crazy over? Like not love or enjoy or, or want to buy, but just crazy over. Like kind of the, what we see with, you know, old distillers from Scotland or we see with like Buffalo Trace Antique Collection or Pappy. Like where, when are we going to get those whiskeys that are just you can't buy enough of and you want all all the whiskey? Um, and that's that's where this is the era. This is going to be. You know, by next year, this time, there's going to be a bunch of releases. And so, Devin, I just wanted to say you were right. You're 100% <laughs> right. You you knew. Uh, and um, tell me why you're so right. Well, I, I, I was right once before. But uh, <laughs> I could see what was happening in Canadian whiskey, Mark. Yeah. Um, there, there's so much wonderfully good fluid sitting in the warehouses. And a lot of it, you know, they just hadn't really kind of latched on to making it for the connoisseur they hadn't really latched on to the idea that canadian whiskey really was as good as everybody else's because you know we were still in in the old myth you know that canadian whiskey is light and you know and it's for mixing and things like that and a lot of people still believe that but uh, you know the the trend towards big bold whiskey started what maybe a decade ago or maybe a little bit less than that and um, we had all that yeah. whiskey here we were using it in other ways and now the uh, the people who make canadian whiskey have really uh, just got on the bandwagon figured it out that canadian whiskey is as good as anybody else's whiskey in fact at the whiskey show in london a couple of days ago dave broom who's i think the foremost whiskey writer in the world says mm-hmm. canadian whiskey is going to be the next big thing mm-hmm. and i think he's absolutely right where's it coming from well We'll taste a little bit of this new Collingwood whiskey, a great big, massive, uh, bold whiskey that's very flavorful today while we're talking. Mm-hmm. We've got that 40-year-old Canadian club, which is really, really impressive whiskey. And it's big. It's got lots of flavor in it. It's a, it's a huge whiskey, and it's really wonderful. And that comes from Canadian club. We know we've had some 
terrific uh, successes with whiskey that comes from Alberta distillers. We've had, you know, like Matt Whistlepig and Masterson's and, and, and whiskeys like this, Hockstetter's. These are all Canadian rye whiskeys made here in Canada. And I think I'm saving the best for the last because, and I'm not trying to show any favoritism here, but I think the best thing that has happened to Canadian whiskey ever, probably, is the Northern Border Collection from Corby's. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, Weiser's 18, they have Gooderman and Warts, they have Pike Creek, um, What's the f and uh, what's the fourth one? Lot forty. Lot number four. Oh, lot number forty. <laughs> lot number four. The staggering lot number forty, mm -hmm. and that it was a great idea when it happened. But now they have the rare releases, which are Weiser's thirty-five-year-old, probably the best whiskey you've ever tasted, including Scotch, including bourbons, including Japanese whiskeys. They have Gooderman and Wart's Little Trinity, a seventeen-year-old whiskey that is just so beautifully crafted Almost Many, the same finish on that whiskey it, it just mm -hmm. never ends it's amazing yeah oh yeah, yeah yeah it's great they have a 21 year old pike creek which is finished in space casks and it has just the a suggestion of scottish style peat in it and it's and it's a beautiful beautiful whiskey now for the past well, since 1998, people have been asking for lot number 40 to come in cast strength. Who has who asked for that? I don't know. <laughs> Everyone's been asking. It's it's amazing. Yeah. And they did, and nobody ever was listening. And then there was a, this podcaster <laughs> who was, was talking to Don Livermore and a few others, and. Um, his name's Mark Bylock, <laughs> and I don't know how he presented it differently, but suddenly they said, you know what, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> and so now they have a cask strength, 12-year-old lot number 40, which really it kind of you know, blows the top off your skull. So I guess I should say thank you for that, Mark. <laughs> we are all indebted to you, Mark. <laughs> we're supposed to be in the communication business, but you were the first guy who got through to them. Okay? And, and, and so, 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 so yes, this is the truly, I think you're right, the, the age of Canadian whiskey. And we have so many examples to just, it, it really doesn't matter what your palate is. We have a whiskey that you're going to really just love the one thing about canadian whiskey that is different from scotch some bourbons and japanese whiskey for sure is that even at the very top end of the price scale it is still a lot less expensive yeah. than the equivalent scotch than the equivalent uh, uh, Japanese whiskey and many of the equivalent bourbons. I have to say there are some quite inexpensive bourbons, mm -hmm. or good, mm -hmm. good good value for money bourbons mm -hmm. out there as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, did I go on for too long? No. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I was I was just going to ask. I was yeah. going to ask: Is there something that you recently have been surprised about that knocked your socks off that you weren't expecting and just have tried it? Because there's been a whole bunch of new releases, and you mentioned a couple of them. Anything that has uh, surprised you come out of left field with how good it was? Well, I, I've always just been fanatic about Weiser's 18. And the Weiser's 35-year-old, yes, it blew my socks off. It is just... 
it's indescribably good. But then uh, a few of us were down at um, at the Canadian Club Warehouses. Mark and I were down there last week, and we were pulling um, the forty-year-old Canadian Club out of the straight out of the barrel, <laughs> and uh, it it again is phenomenal. It did blow my socks off, Jamie. It really did, and. Uh, it, it, we were go, just going back and forth, smelling it, passing it on, smelling it, tasting it. <laughs> it was funny because Tish Harkis, you know, is from Canadian Club, is there. And I, at one point, I smelled this whiskey. It was so good. I gave it to her to nose, and then I realized, this is like your 200th time. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, there's some stuff here that really, really kind of blows your mind. And, uh, uh, you know, as, as much as I just think lot 40 is phenomenal it's been canadian whiskey of the year twice i think that it has been exceeded mm-hmm. we'll wait and see what happens in the canadian whiskey awards this year but i wouldn't be surprised if it's big sister or big brother whatever big sibling yeah beats it i the northern border collection we had so don livermore was on the podcast last week so we've we've yeah. heard uh, about this uh but I would say a good example of what, to your point, is, you know, lot number 40 cast strength, there to compete with, you know, Buffalo Trace Antique Collection, kind of your high-proof rise. Um, and it's there. It's brand new oak. It's 12 years old. It's, it's cast strength. Uh, but then you have, uh, you know, then you have um, the, um, uh, the the one aged in uh, in scotch barrels. Like, yeah, space-side barrels. Space-side barrels. Um, a little bit of Scotland there. Uh, their 35-year-old is, again, it's just well-aged. At that point, doesn't you can tell it's Canadian whiskey, of course. It's got that mm-hmm. base Canadian whiskey, but that, that oak, that the spice flavor comes through like like, like any well-aged scotch. Um, and like you said, it's all all of them are under 100 bucks, except for the 35-year-old, which is $160. 165 And the Canadian Club is uh, 250 That's like $3 U.S., guys. I mean, maybe $180 <laughs> U.S. if we're going to actually use maths. But, um, but that is not a lot of money for a 40-year-old... Uh, uh, for forty-year-old whiskey, uh, that's really terrific, and and um, and doesn't even what we're drinking right now, uh, the Collingwood uh, double barrel. Um, this doesn't remind me of Collingwood. This is something different. Yeah. This is going after yeah. different marketplace. This is going after different people. Uh, it's it does have that that oak spice all the way through, um, but it's it's exactly your your a marketplace is now really targeting whiskey enthusiasts. Yeah. Well, you know. <clears throat> The, the new whiskey generation is demanding big, bold whiskeys. Yeah. And, you know, Canadian whiskey makers have always kept up with the trends. And I'll give you a good example. In the, the, the mid-1800s, what's that, 150 years ago or something like that or more, the Americans suddenly found that they were their supply of whiskey was disrupted because of the American Civil War. And Canadian whiskey makers who had been making rye whiskey all along Canadian rye mm-hmm. they said okay there's this big market down there but they like a different style of rye they like American rye Canadian whiskey makers started making Canadian rye and American rye mm-hmm. they made two different kinds of rye whiskey they shipped the American stuff to the states and they and they they um, <clears throat> kept the, the Canadian stuff here very different flavor profiles but the Americans just loved it and they put a label on it you know made in Canada American rye whiskey and shift it, it down to the States. <laughs> so, and the same distiller would make the two different kinds. It was like that. And this is a kind of a, a, analogous to what they've done at Collingwood because that um, this new Collingwood whiskey is made using a mash bill. It is a mash bill 
It's high in rye, mm -hmm. contains malted barley and corn. Mm -hmm. So there's one fermentation, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. and then it's they mature it like they do Collingwood normally. Mm -hmm. Then they put it into um, to not charred barrels. They put it into toasted oak, virgin toasted oak barrels, just a very light char on the outside, and they sp it spends time in there until it gets some of those those big rich flavors, and you can taste a little bit of that, like that the the bourbon type sourness, yes. and you get that, yeah. and and then they do that the normal thing which they do with Collingwood, which they put it in a big vat and they float maple maplewood staves on top, <laughs> so it gets a bit of that. So this is again Canadians adapting to the current trends in uh, whiskey broadly. And it's, it, I'm very excited about this this new whiskey. So yes, um, we have now three different uh, producers who are making whiskey that is really very, very current. Mm -hmm. This is what people want today. And then we have the New 40 Creek. Have you tasted the New 40 Creek? I have not, no. The New 40 Creek is just a wonderfully phenomenal whiskey. And it's, uh, it's again, a blend of, of uh, barley, um, corn, and rye. But it's, it's done in the, in the style of that old, the, the original Forty Creek Three Grain, which they discontinued in maybe in 2000 or 2001. Yeah, like that. yeah, okay, yeah. A beautiful whiskey. It's got that real waxy feel in your mouth slippery as can be on the roof of your mouth. They made it in that same style. That was a fabulous whiskey. The only reason it was discontinued is because the other one was doing better and they wanted to concentrate all their effort on Barrel Select. Yeah. So they've kind of revived that in an amped up version. So yeah, the, the, the distillers are all just making you know, great big whiskeys. So what's the latest myth in Canadian whiskey? <laughs> if somebody tells you that Canadian whiskey is light, you know that they don't know anything about Canadian whiskey. Canadian whiskey, there are light ones out there, just as there are light American whiskeys as well. Mm -hmm. um, but today's leading Canadian whiskeys are big, bold, rich, flavorful whiskeys. And uh, they're taking the world by storm. I'll tell you right now, Northern Border Collection is going nuts oh, yeah. in, oh, yeah. in England. They're going to be in 12 countries by the end of the year. I um, yeah, and, and they are going to be available in the U.S. Apparently, we, we, there was uh, been an update since the last podcast. Um, so go to your local liquor store and just keep asking, like, is that Northern Border Collection here? Maybe <laughs> you should order some. Uh, get the bottles because, like, think of BTAC back in 2011, where you could kind of find the bottles. That's that's yeah. this today. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, uh, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, and maybe you won't be able to find the bottles still. So yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And ask for the rare releases. Yes. They are phenomenal, and they're get them now while they're inexpensive. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, okay. I was actually the very I was going to make that point. I yeah. was going to say so, you know, trending towards, you know, what's happened with scotch, Japanese whiskey, uh, mm -hmm. and some bourbons. Uh, we've seen a significant price increase in in some of those categories. Mm -hmm. And we've I think, you know, and I think the three of us have talked about this before. We've always sort of even underpriced our whiskeys and 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 you know, they probably could be a couple dollars more expensive because they're they're that good and mm -hmm. we're very humble about our pricing. Uh do do we do we anticipate a, a price increase in our our in our future? Well, <clears throat> I think that I don't know. I would suspect that as as all whiskey continues to 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 increase in price, that, that Canada will go up a bit. But it's been extremely slow. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we've been very slow to increase the prices. You know, if you go in, in marketing school, they'll teach you that the way you set your price is the highest, you, the most you can charge and still sell it all. <laughs> but can, can, Canadians haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. I hope they will because I think we want to see the, the industry healthy and grow. But remember Alberta Premium 30-year-old, which sold for yeah. $50 a bottle? What's that? That's like $1.60 a year. <laughs> it, you know, and, and, and they weren't... And people were driving from the U.S. up to Alberta just to buy the, the, this bottle. Like that's it, yeah. yeah. It was uh, yeah. I'm a little bit embarrassed because I kind of hoarded that. I have a <laughs> fair number of bottles, and I hope people won't hoard all these uh, great new releases that are coming out because uh, um, I have had a preview of 2018, and it could be better. Wow, nice. it could Amazing. be better than what this year is going to be. Wow. Good tip. Yeah, good Heard tip. Heard it here first. Heard it here first. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, if we look, if we look at the big companies, so um, um, Beam Centauri has kind of picked up the ball, like in the 2012, 2013, they released CC 100% Rye. Uh, they've uh, released Dark Horse, um, and then they kind of, and they kind of, kind of rested on that for a little bit. This year, they're releasing the CC 40, which is, as you said, fa fantastic. Um, but they don't have their answer to the rare releases that uh, the Pernod Ricard is releasing. They don't have the, you know, like you said, the rare releases, the Union 52, the Dissertation. Uh, like these, these are wonderful releases that are going to be gone. Uh, some of them are still available. Um, I can't wait to see what comes out of Alberta that's going to be you know, more available, like more in that $100 price range uh, products. I, there's got to be stuff coming out. I tasted a 16-year-old a 100% uh, rye whiskey at, at uh, ADL this summer, which they said they were going to be putting in bottles. Now, you know it always takes a year to go from the warehouse to the liquor store. That was a really, it was nice. a, quite a, quite a, a special whiskey. I really enjoyed it. I liked it. It's different than, than the than the Alberta Premium Range. Of course, yeah. the Alberta Premium Range is made on on column stills, and this was a pot still whiskey, and it uh, it really uh, was big. It was bigger than Whistlepig, bigger than than Masterson. That's what I want to say. And wow, fruity yeah. like crazy. So, you know, but I mean, it, of course, it has to go through layers of bureaucracy before it even gets out. But yeah, they have some really wonderful whiskey in the warehouses at the ADL. But you want a big surprise? I do. Black Velvet Onyx. You know, black everybody keeps velvet talking Black Velvet. Onyx. I can't even get it. Tell me where I can get this. I can't. I'll tell you where you can get this. You can buy it today in Sweden. 20-year-old well, Black Velvet. It's, you know, I, I don't understand why they're not selling this in Canada because it would all be gone. It's great. And it's not like they just did one batch. They're doing batch after batch. You know what? It's equivalent to, but... Bigger than the the Danfield's twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, the yeah black velvet onyx, and they have a couple of others, but you know black velvet is huge in Europe, and they make they, all their special stuff goes there. It's hmm. a giant distillery. No yeah. Canadian knows about it at all, yeah. and everybody from every company says, "Have you heard about black velvet? They make great stuff up there." I'm like. I, no, I haven't. Everybody keeps saying they do, but like, I, have I seen a bottle? No, I've not seen nothing. Uh, but everybody, like, literally everybody in the industry across the board, always talks about this one. I don't even where they're located. I think they're recording. Like, I don't Lethbridge. even know. Lethbridge. They're in Lethbridge. Is that a? Where is that? Mark, what province? I want to see your birth certificate. <laughs> Lethbridge, Alberta. They're about two hours south of Calgary. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, there you go. They're south, of, even closer to the American border. Oh, that's amazing. Amazing. Well, there you go. Yeah, you can drive to the American border from there, no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a wonderful time, and and I'm you know we're uh, very excited to judge the Canadian Whiskey Awards again this year. I'm looking forward to uh, to playing this um, dissertation. Was very funny because I I rated dissertation last year. I didn't even know what it was. It was my second favorite whiskey out of the whole uh, something like that out of all the ratings from last year. And uh, and I'm like I don't know what dissertation is. I'm like, what's the JPY's dissertation? I have no idea. It wasn't out yet. It wasn't. It's like six I months know. before it yeah. got released. You know what? It was that made me nervous, and this will never happen again. Yeah. Because dissertation almost won whiskey of the year, and this was <laughs> this was based on a uh, pre-release sample. Right. And you know what? I. Th- so we're not accepting pre-release samples yeah. anymore in the Canadian Whiskey right. Awards because that is just too dangerous. Yeah. Because imagine if it had won yeah. and nobody could buy it. So, so yes. But, yeah, dissertation is <laughs> it's it, by Weiser. Weiser's dissertation, yeah. Don Livermore's um, dissertation, is, is another one of those great big whiskeys mm-hmm. that, that's just so beautifully put together. So uh, yeah, yeah, Mark. I'm telling you, I I don't bite my nails, but I nearly started <laughs> when I when I saw the scores coming in for that uh, last year. I thought, oh boy, yeah. You know, if this wins, what's going to happen next? Well, you know, there goes our credibility out the window. Because of course, everything is totally blind. Nobody knows what they're tasting. Oh, they yeah. don't even know, you know. Which distillery it comes from, or anything, or what the ABV is. There's nothing revealed. Yeah. It's just, is this the best whiskey or not? Or how, where do you score it? Yeah. And, oh boy. <laughs> I know. But you, you know, you learn as you go along. Uh, so the story of Canadian whiskey, um, 40 Creek came up, right? And was showed, showed us that bold Canadian whiskey can do well and sell well. Essentially, right? It's kind of the, the, the started with Forty Creek almost in that bold kind of new area. And then you had, um, but really like Pernod Ricard has uh, really been running the, with the ball right now with their rare releases last year, proving that they can succeed because they've been selling out in LCBO and BC, proving that you can have these rare $60 releases that are just going to be one-time only things. Um, and they continue to run with the ball. Yeah, well, I think that the key factor in having successful connoisseur quality whiskeys is to have somebody really, really intelligent in the marketing department. Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of people out there who are making very good whiskey and we aren't hearing about, or we're just starting to hear about them now. And what you need is somebody who is more than intelligent. They have to be brilliant. Mm -hmm. John Hall, was an absolutely brilliant. Now, he's a good whiskey maker. He learned that making wine. But he was brilliant at getting his whiskey known. And his philosophy was his whatever whiskey he made, his whiskey would be just a little bit bigger than whatever else, what the competitors were selling for the same price. And as he went up the line, each one got bigger and, and better. Maybe with copper pots a lot better than anything else at that price. Mm-hmm. But, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, so this is what he did. And he went out there and he was the face of that distillery for 20 years. He walked the streets in going from bar to bar to bar to bar, getting bartenders to taste it. And he he really made that whiskey until it turned into a phenomenon. And, you know, um, John Hall has sold his distillery to Campari now. And uh, we, but we, let's not forget, John Hall started this revolution that's happening now. Northern Border Collection 
they're releasing a 35-year-old wiser. So you know that somebody made that 35 years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But this wouldn't have happened without an absolutely brilliant man, whose his name is Ross Hendry, mm -hmm. having a vision for what you could do with all of these beautiful, beautiful whiskeys that they have in their in their warehouse. How you could put them together. And then he has this this guy who's just an artist with whiskey, Don Livermore, and he says to Don, this is what I want, this is what, this is what, and, and when, when Don comes back, it's just always better than, than you could ever hope for. So yes, we have some really, truly wonderful uh, uh, things there, but it is the p marketing people who are making it happen. And this is the very same thing that is happening with Beam Suntory. That, that um, Canadian club, a uh, 40-year-old, and I know that the guy behind that likes to stay out of sight, mm -hmm. but it's a guy in head office who... Um, Wonderful man, yeah, yeah. Who has yeah. put that out. He, it would, uh, Alberta Premium Dark Horse was his idea. Canadian Club 100% uh, Rye was the idea of a marketing man sitting in Toronto, and so was Canadian Club 40-year-old. So, yes, we can have all these brilliant people making great whiskey, and they do. But it's the same with every company. You, If the consumer doesn't find out about it, yeah. then uh, it just it withers away and gets blended away into other things. Um, so it's. I think that we really need to look at the whole package. I mean, we revere the master blender or the master distiller. And master distillers, I mean, they're, they're a dime a dozen these days. But they are nothing without somebody to bring the whiskey to the people. And there is just so much noise out there now. Everybody's got the latest great whiskey. This was in there. You get all I mean, you, Well, you, you get these press releases every day from whiskeys that, you know, they're... They're not at the top of the range, but they've got good, you know, people out there. So when you get a, a brilliant marketing person who knows how to put a package together and deliver the message credibly to people, then you get people taking notice. And they, when they taste that whiskey, they have it has to live up to the reputation that it has been established for it, because you'll never launch a great whiskey if you just people just buy one bottle. If mm -hmm. they have to go back for the second and the third yeah. and so on, mm -hmm. that's Canadian Club 100% rye. Mm -hmm. What a phenomenon! Mm -hmm. And there's a whiskey. <clears throat> I think it's the least expensive whiskey in the Canadian Club range. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, when you buy a bottle of that, you, you first you scratch your head and say, "Am I ever going to buy any other kind of whiskey?" <laughs> But of course you do. But so, so yeah. So yes, we've got great liquids. We've had them for a long, long, long time. We've we've had them for more than a hundred years. Yeah. But we have now. We have people who know how to tell the world about them. I, so, I appreciate that very much. Yeah. I think so. I think it's. A, I've never heard. You know. You, you obviously marketing is a huge part of it, but you don't. Usually people say like, "Ugh, marketing department," and roll their eyes. But so it's it's oh, but it's it. it extremely important part of the entire process so it's nice to hear some some love for the marketing department it's the accounting departments we gotta really yeah. be uh, the villains of the company like you can't release this liquid for for two hundred dollars da 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 and it's the marketing department is like no this is a win we can make this work uh, jamie you and i were at the at pc prince edward county for the uh, northern border collection release yep. party and we saw ross speak um yes. he he had one like he was like yes this this man gets me it's yes. was that was the conversation we yes. had with him yeah yeah no it was uh, it was great 
great. It was great to listen to him talk about it. And, uh, you know, being fans of the Buffalo Trace antique collection, it feels so, it feels like, uh, you know, this is, this has been great. And, and Wiser's and, 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 uh, the, the releases that they've been doing with all their, their special releases, it's, it's, it feels like it's about time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's so nice to see. Yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's about time. And the good thing is that when people, take a chance and taste the whiskey, they're not disappointed. And that's really, that's really important. Mm -hmm. But I still get this. I mean, I, I post about Canadian whiskey on my, uh, you know, Instagram and Facebook. I still get somebody says like, oh, Canadian whiskey, pa, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, it's made of vodka. I'm like, you still have the same, it's going to change uh, because the, the media attention is going to be insane. Um, so let's do a few predictions. We don't, we don't like yeah. talking about other whiskey authors except for the ones in this room. Correct. Um, but, uh, but there's going to be uh, another author that always gets a lot of press when the release is the best whiskey in the world. And he says, this is the best one for, you know, 2018. Um, we, any, I, I have an inside any, source. I know, yeah. that, uh, I know that he received some of these great Canadian whiskeys that okay. we're talking about. All right. Um, so I'm going to make a prediction. I, one of them is going to win top three whiskeys in the world, like because he does the best one in the country, and then there's the top three. He does like a top three or top five list overall in the world. Right. Lot number forty's got to be got to be a top three. Is that your call? You're going to call it now. I'm calling it right now. It's got to right. be top thirty. I, right. I wouldn't be surprised if it was labeled the best whiskey in the world. Uh, so yeah, I was completely wrong. Uh, in first place was Colonel E. H. Taylor Four Grain, and in second place was Redbreast Twenty One, and in third place uh, was Glen Grant Eighteen. Uh, the first two I've tried, and they're both excellent. Um, yeah, I don't even know if uh, it was being considered. I haven't. Uh, I don't know if it uh, Canadian whiskey was considered. So I will continue to play this and let myself continue to be absolutely wrong. By by far, not yep. just Canadian, not just anything across all categories. I don't know what they're doing in Scotland. I know what they're doing in the U.S. Right. Um, and I don't know what they're doing in other countries necessarily. And he gets things like, wait, hello. I mean, he gets things like six months before I even know about it. Right. However, uh, I will say that I think lot number forty is gonna is gonna get up there and it's gonna have a lot of competition with its with its siblings. Uh, you know, JPY's is thirty five and Pike Creek uh, Trinity and 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 that it's gonna be just right up there. It's gonna be a great right. list. Wow. Any, any Bold predictions? prediction. It's going to come out soon. This is we're, it's October, so it's we're October. Gonna, uh, so that's it's, right. That's before right. this podcast might get posted, it might because this is what October second right now. There, the press release, press release is going to come out any moment now. All right, I'm sure of it. Well, Lot Forty is still one of the best whiskeys out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. But I on it's but it's been around in one guise or another since 1998 or 1997, and. Um, I'm not going to predict what somebody else might might uh, like. Right. I can say that I've not been disappointed in previous winners, but uh, no. If if you were asking me my pick, it would be Wiser's Thirty Five. Wiser's Thirty Five. Yeah. Amazing. See, but I think. That it's amazing. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be close. I mean, you're talking about a little number out of 100. It's going to be so close. <laughs> um, well, but you and I have talked about this as well. Uh, like uh, Crown Royal uh, Northern Harvest Rye won, and I think you and I said the same thing independently. We're like, it's the third best Canadian whiskey we tasted from that distillery, right? Like that was our impression of like last year's winner. Uh, I've heard you say that on Twitter. So I think it's kind of a thing. I've said this, similar things. I think... Um, I think we're going to finally see our favorite Canadian whiskey win, which I think would be wonderful. I think 
Northern Harvest Rye represents Canadian whiskey very, very well. Agreed. Yeah. It's a whiskey that people are going to taste and they're going to enjoy. And I think that it's like I said before, it's the kind of whiskey that you would go back and buy a second bottle of. So uh, I'm not disappointed mm-hmm. at all. Now, um, I have a different palate, and yes, Crown Royal is a phenomenally great distillery, and they make or company, and they make some really great whiskeys. My preference from Crown Royal is the hand-selected barrel. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, you know, um, but I have a feeling that that whiskey would not appeal to a lot of people um, who have less um, experienced palates. Especially for Canadian whiskey, because it's so... It's just so yeah, in your face. In your face, yeah. So um, I think that Northern Harvest Rye was an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. I think that it represents Canada well. And what I think is really, really cool about Northern Harvest Rye is that when people taste it blind and they don't know it's Canadian whiskey, generally they rate it about 10 points higher than they do if they know mm-hmm. it is Canadian whiskey. So I think there's a, still a bit of a label effect mm-hmm. on Canadian whiskey. But, uh, I mean, if you, if you talk about a beautifully integrated, well-balanced whiskey. If you pour yourself a glass of Northern Harvest Rye, you cannot find a rough edge. You can't. It's just a a beautifully synthesized whiskey. So, um, you know, I mean, we're we're talking about personal preferences here. Frankly, I think the Canadian Whiskey Awards have an awful lot more credibility because we have at least 10 different judges who judge everything 100% totally blind. They don't know. Everybody sees everybody else's scores. So there's no... uh, yeah. Changing your mind, yeah, and there's no going back. So, which means people take it very, very seriously, and they do a really excellent job. So, I think that um, that that's a lot more credible source of in, of information about the best Canadian whiskies. And I should say that uh, Northern Harvest Rye is a gold medalist in the Canadian mm-hmm. Whiskey Awards. Yeah. So, it's uh, it's no whiskey uh, to laugh at. Believe me, it's well, a no, it's Crown Royal yeah. Northern Harvest Rye. Yeah, you pour that in my glass, I'll finish it. Yep. I have. I still have so many bottles. I know. Well, we, we all do. We all do because we did that thing where we, you know, we did exactly what is expected of us. We'd go and buy a bunch of it. So, <laughs> and then talk about it and talk about it and talk and about then it. Gifted for, and gifted and gifted and gifted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No. You're the guys because they ran out of whiskey before <laughs> they Christmas. Did. They did. Yeah, that's it right. was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I got more questions on Twitter about that. And you must, I mean, mm-hmm. it, you probably spent the better part of an entire year talking about Grand <laughs> Royal Northern Harvest Rye. I think we dedicated a couple episodes to it even and doing, you know, tastings and vertical mm-hmm. tastings and, and different bottles. It, it was it was, it was was a phenomenon. But also probably for a lot of people introduced them to the category yeah. of Canadian whiskey, which absolutely. I think was a huge benefit of, of, of that piece mm-hmm. uh, right there. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. We'll take it. <laughs> absolutely yeah well this is a really this is a really lovely whiskey too i'm really enjoying this yeah. especially given my love of, of american whiskeys and and um uh the town collection yeah there, there's going to be a <laughs> a series of all right special collingwoods collingwood double barreled 
Uh, I'm a fan of this. It's got a really nice spice to it. So I good. love. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. It's, it's right up the alley of uh, of the kind of whiskey you want to drink. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it looks like it's just done effortlessly. It's just like here, here's a whiskey. It's delicious. Enjoy it. Like yeah. it's not. You know, it's it's really it's really nice. It's very fantastic. Yeah, I think they did a beautiful job. They really did. And using uh, virgin oak is very to finish is very helpful. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the Mashville too. It's got that. You know that. Uh, I know it's there's like sourness or something that mm-hmm. I, that's really quite mm-hmm. appealing. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Now for the for the book, I have a question for you. Going through it the second time, was that uh, and, and sort of making changes? Um, what was that process like for you? Was there was it you know there's so much that I want to change, or was it like oh yeah no I did a great job? There's you know just a few things here and there that I wouldn't mind tweaking. Well, I'll tell you. Um, Doing that, it, there was a lot of work that went into changing the, to, to went into updating the book. There are uh, a lot of small but significant changes in in each of the chapters. Some of the chapters had to be rewritten starting from scratch because new information. For, for example, tasting. Since that book, uh, a neurogastronomy came out, and you know people have taken a, an entirely new uh, approach to understanding how we taste, how we enjoy flavors. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it, yeah, it, there was, it was a lot of work. Now, it took me a long time to get a draft together. Mm-hmm. But, of course, then there's the old back and forth. And you, you push the send button, you go, ah, it's finished. <laughs> and then you get a note from the editor saying, okay, well, here are our suggestions, our suggested... Well, first of all, you get something from the copy editor and you don't really have to argue. You can't argue too much about those because it's usually something that's grammatically incorrect. You spelled there oh. wrong. Ah. <laughs> there, there, yeah. there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, and they, they check the facts, too. Yeah. So if they check the facts, you, you really have to present a case if you want to go with something that hasn't been... Uh, that, that their fact checker has found is not uh, exactly... I don't think my book had okay. any fact checkers. <laughs> well, okay. Well, it was, yeah, they, I, they do, and they're they're really quite assertive. And uh, so then, once we did that, we then I got a PDF back with masses of changes and suggestions. So I went through all of those. It took a long time to go through those. Oh, thank goodness, it's finally done. Send it in, and then they send another one. And there are more suggestions and more changes and more of this and more of that. At one point, we got into this kind of a discussion where I find, fine, let's just cut the whole paragraph because we're never going to agree. <laughs> and we did. And then, then I got back a third uh, set of, of, of pages, which again had many, not as many, but quite a few requests for clarifications and things like this. So yeah. you don't just sit down, type out a book, send it in. And then wait. It's uh, it's a real uh, process. I mean, the, the hardest part is dealing with the copy editor and the fact checker. Mm-hmm. But once you get through that, there still is a lot of stylistic stuff you have to do, mm-hmm. and and, and uh, things that people say, well, I don't really understand what you mean here. So then you have to kind of change that. And uh, but it uh, it's a satisfying process. Though. I can imagine once you've got process. this, you felt quite good. Yeah. Book in hand. Book. When, yeah. I, when I sent the third set of pages in and uh, the response that I got back eventually was a fourth set of pages with no request for changes, then I felt good. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, uh, I, I, I hate getting that final copy because I'm like, I still, maybe I can change this. Maybe I can change that. And then they're just like, no, this is it. You're done. You're done. You're, this is it. We're cutting. We're cutting. And it's the best because eventually your editor's like, this is fine. Stop being finicky about it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. That makes me feel good. Um, and, you know, this book obviously about Canadian whiskey, but uh, but not just Canadian whiskey fans. The people read this book and your introductory sections about how to taste whiskey, about water influence in whiskey, about how whiskey's made is relevant and beautiful explanations of all those things outside of just Canadian whiskey, uh, which I think is, is a great uh, point. But I but yeah, it's a <laughs> looks looks yeah fantastic, fantastic read. I, I loved reading the original. I can't mm-hmm. wait to. I know. I'm excited <laughs> to try, try on the second one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I started with single malt scotch, and when I was writing the book, I kept that in mind. How do you taste whiskey? How is whiskey made? What does the wood contribute to the flavor? What does the grain contribute to the flavor? And things like that. So yeah, the first section about how how whiskey is made really applies to all styles of whiskey, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so you know. Uh, that, but that's deliberate. Uh, and, of course, there's, there are so many similarities. Of course, I talk about the, the Canadian particularities as well. But uh, yeah. it, uh, I hope that a person who's interested in, in single malt scotch could read that, those first eight chapters or so and uh, have a much better understanding of single malt mm-hmm. scotch. There's also a part of American whiskey history that's generally not covered in American books because you have, like, Hiram Walker, which if you leave, read a bourbon book, Hiram Walker's probably not, you know, Hiram has not been talked about, or Cor- the Corby, you know, mm-hmm. or Corby. These are all Americans that came to Canada before Canada even was a country. Like, we're just going to settle over there on this land, and we're, we're going to build a distillery there. Uh, so you talk a lot about American history in that respect as well. Well, I talk, I mean, Wiser was an American, yep. uh, and so was Hiram Walker. But the rest of the distillers in, in Canada who had, who had any influence were, by and large, Englishmen or Germans from Germany yeah. uh, or Dutch. Um, so the the Am- Americans didn't have a whole lot of influence. Corby was a Canadian? Corby. Uh, Corby. Oh, Englishman. Or an Englishman, yeah. yeah. Um, but so these were, and you know, and, and you took a Molson who was, who, who was a, um, an immigrant from England, Gooderman Wartz, both immigrants from England. But um, the only real Americans who had any lasting influence were wiser, Mm-hmm. And uh, and Hiram yeah. Walker, yeah. and I know that when the Americans, uh, when American whiskey making, f- you know, fell into uh, desuetude because of the war, um, the Canadians started making a different kind of rye which they could sell to Americans. So it's the the Americans. Uh, I mean, people talk about. I mean, and people would love to say that the Americans invented Canadian whiskey, but it's just yeah. not true. You know, and uh, we did address their their taste preferences when the market was uh, was there for it. Yeah. But our, the way our whiskey developed in Canada, it really is is uh, an indigenous Canadian uh, product that was that was developed here. And people talk about our corn. Well, guess what? The corn that we grew in Canada until the 1950s really didn't make very good whiskey. It was a hard corn called flint, and I studied corn in university, so I understand this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was okay for making like uh, palm or, or or you know uh, cornbread or something like this, but it had very little starch in it, so it would not produce very much alcohol. But that's not the real problem. The real problem is it has to be cooked at a very high temperature to release the starch, yeah. and the plants themselves are really not very productive. So you get these tiny little ears of corn with not very many grains on them. Yeah. It's a primitive eight-row corn, they called it. 
And uh, so we really didn't start even using corn in Canada uh, until the 1950s, except for Hiram Walker, who was a grain dealer in the United States, and he knew that he could bring in corn from the Midwest, and J.P. Weiser as well, who was an American cattle dealer and understood that you could get American corn. But in Canada, we really distilled mostly wheat, and we used rye grain as flavoring. And we didn't grow a lot of rye in Canada. Rye was grown on on poor land. Yeah. Once the land had been rehabilitated or, or made more more arable, we would switch over, get rid of the rye, and switch over to um, to uh, wheat. Yeah. And uh, and the other thing with with rye, because rye is a, is not an annual crop. At least the rye they were growing here uh, was not an annual crop. Um, you would plant it, and they would often get rid of the rye before it even set seed. You know, right. they they would plow it under before it even set seed. So they had to really be thinking to about this. Soil, yeah, yeah. So so um, there's a lot of um, there are a lot of misconceptions. People have said figure use their logic to figure out what must have happened and that is absolutely fatal when it comes to history you can't say they must have done this they must have done that you have to have evidence of what happened and the 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 evidence is that it was recent immigrants from britain uh from germany from holland who really uh, established the canadian whiskey style um, yeah. that we knew then and that we know today. I mean, and, and talk about influences. I mean, you've, you've researched Gooder Hammond Warts extensively in your first book. Mm-hmm. Um, that is 100% the reason why we have Gooder Hammond Warts whiskey today. I mean, you've, you've brought the names forward again, and I know, you know you're speaking with people behind the, the brands, and they're like, oh, this is wonderful. Like, they've read your book, and they're like, this is, let's bring back these brands. So, I mean, talk about influence in the Canadian whiskey industry. Like, you're bringing some of the stars from, from our past that almost are forgotten about. And it's not like Gooder Hammond Warts distillery was still around in the 80s, but still, as Canadians, like Jamie said, we just tend to not give ourselves too much credit for that stuff, but uh, you mm-hmm. definitely were a big influencer in, in the brands that are becoming forward today. Mm-hmm. Now, it's pretty kind of you to say that, Mark, <laughs> but I can tell you a little story. I remember talking to somebody in the marketing department at that company uh, maybe more than a decade ago, maybe two decades ago, and they said they could never put the word warts on a <laughs> bottle of whiskey. They said people won't buy it if it says warts. It's a funny word. It's a funny word. It's a funny word. But you, but you, but you know what? <laughs> now, Corby has taken Goodrum and Warts, and they put out a whiskey that is just sensational. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm, I'm talking yeah. about the four grain. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The, 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 the bottom. Uh, you know, the, 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 not not the new stuff. Yeah. not the Little Trinity. Little Trinity's great whiskey. It actually, is, it's I like it better than, than the original Goodrum and Warts, but. And guess what? People are buying Goodrum and Warts, even though it says Warts on the label. That's right. And uh, I don't think anybody has a negative association. In fact, I probably just created one. No. No, we're all thinking it. uh, We're all definitely. I know Jamie was thinking it. I was thinking it. Like, oh, yeah, the Warts. That's an awkward name. Well, we do kind of like make a joke about it when I do master classes, and it's because the Wart. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the wart. Yeah, you, you know, don't want to be. It's not glamorous, but that's what it is. This is the wart. W O R T S. Warts. Yeah. 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 Nope. No. Not mature enough to, to run by that word without having a little giggle. In I my mean, mind. you know, we're in the business of where we talk about sh- sherry butts and mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. 
Got to get our kick somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you like Sherry Butts, do you? <laughs> Jamie likes Sherry Butts. Oh, see, there we go. There we go. See, it's so easy. It's so easy. We, we try to pretend to be adults, but actually not on this podcast. We not, not on this to, podcast. Uh, no, yeah, wrong so. podcast. Yeah, wrong podcast. Um, yes. No, this is wonderful. I, I can't wait. I mean, I'm sure the, the, um, the book's going to sell amazing. Like, this is coming out the exact right time right now. I'm very, very very excited for you. It's gonna yeah. be, it's gonna be great. Grab and, a copy. Uh, grab yeah. a copy. The uh, revised and updated Ooh. Canadian whiskey, the new portable expert. With, yeah, it's it'll be in stores on October third, which was two weeks ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's available by from all online sellers. So you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all of the the online sellers have it, and I, I'm I'm hoping it's going to do very well. And you're touring through Canada. You're going to be all over the place uh, well, signing yeah. books, and yeah. I'm you know. in Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal, Ottawa, Calgary. Edmonton, Vancouver, and Winnipeg. Well, if you, All across If Canada. you want a tip, if you want a tip, if you are in a high whiskey community, what you should do is you should um, buy a bunch of books of Davin's books and then invite Davin to your city and have him do a whiskey tasting about Canadian whiskey. This is a very exciting topic. Um, and it's one that we, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, you're not going to go, people are going to walk out of there going like, wow, I, I know about scotch, I know about mm-hmm. bourbons and rice, but mm-hmm. oh, Canadian whiskey, this is a whole, That's right. whole new thing to obsess about. Because you can't f- buy American whiskey in America anymore anyway. Like, yes. you, you have to wait in line for Blanton's. I mean, Eagle Rare is actually rare now. It wasn't rare <laughs> five years ago. Uh, you know, you can't buy can- American whiskey. And then you have whiskey that's as delicious or better uh, that you, you actually can buy on shelves. Yep. Um, and at a great price point, And absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Where can we find? Uh, where can we follow your adventures on the on the interwebs, Davin? Okay, I'm at Davin D E K at D A V I N D E K on Twitter and on Instagram. And you are so active on both social medias. Yeah. Um, so I'll keep I, an eye yeah. on your schedule and yeah. 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 And Jamie, where can people find you? You can still find me at Bourbon Thing. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. And how have your adventures been lately? Uh, great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I'm on a, a similar tour of Davin's. You might even end up in the same city at one point. But yeah, no, I'm just running around with some Belveni in my purse. and love it. I love great. it. There's always whiskey in your purse. It's always amazing. whiskey a, in my great purse. Job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great job. Yeah, best job in the world. Yes, <laughs> yes. And where can we find you, Mark? At M-A-R-K-B-Y-L-O-K. Guys, thank you for listening. Davin, thank you for coming Davin, on the podcast. Davin, thank you for coming back. Thanks, always Jamie. a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Right. Cheers. Cheers.